Good morning. Welcome to Lifebox Media Channel Radio Podcast, man. After literally off our time that we just talked about, um, coming in the eyes of Tammy Faye, it's my pleasure to have on the man who was there at the time, Mr. Steve Peters. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you, Char. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for asking. I'll tell you, first of all, what a compelling movie. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. Thanks. It, it was fantastic. It's uh, yeah. my oldest son and I, who's, he's a big movie critic. We went and saw it, and uh, I could not have asked to, you know, we said it was one of the best movies we've seen this year. No kidding. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wasn't responsible for making the film, but no, I, understand I feel, but yeah. It was, it was very, uh, it was, it was, and it's funny because I remember this time period and everything else that the movie uh-huh. talks about and, and, right. and your, and your spots in this and everything else. So kind of brought back some memories. So do you want to kind of bring us back a little bit on how that you got involved with, uh, Miss Tammy Faye Baker? Okay. Well, uh, I was, uh, a pastor with the Metropolitan Community Churches and, uh, I was, the first member of the clergy in that denomination to get sick with AIDS. And uh, I had been sick from 1982 through, uh, well, I got sick in 1982 and I was sick all the way through and past the interview I did with Tammy Faye. Excuse me, excuse um, me sir, and, and pardon me for interrupting and, and because and sure. I we were there. But in 1982, we didn't have a clue about AIDS. No. I mean, you know, we, we, we had no real knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong anytime, but we had no real knowledge of the immune depressants it would put on the body. We, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have a clue of really anything in, in these stages. Am I correct? Right. They had not yet discovered the virus in 1982. They didn't discover that until 84 and they didn't even devise a test for the antibodies to the virus until late 1984. So in 1982 and 83, when I was first sick with it, um, there was a, so much fear associated with it and, uh, people didn't want to come near me because I was, you know, um, it was, we didn't know how it was caused. So, you know, if you didn't want to catch it, you didn't go anywhere near a person with AIDS, thinking that you might get it through the air or by touching something that I had touched. Um, right, you were treated like you had leprosy. Exactly, yeah. Right. It was highly stigmatized, and, and there was so much fear around it. It was just... Uh, you know, very, very difficult to deal with in those days. And this is a couple of years before, correct me again if I'm wrong, this is a year or two earlier than Rock Hudson being announced with it, so to bring it to such a correct. big attention, right? This is this is prior to right. that. So right. you had no real, whatever you read or heard, kind of, and then the stories that kind of whispered down the lane type deal is what you heard, which, which wasn't a hell of a lot, but of course it was scary right. and don't go near and don't look at and don't touch and... Don't right. go past dough to like $200 or any of that stuff. So it was a pretty <laughs> rough time, I'm sure, for for you in that aspect of things. It was, indeed. And, and uh, you know, there were many times that uh, I was, uh, well, once I was I was asked not to use the bathroom in one person's home. And, and uh, other times I was uh, served on paper plates or if, you know, I was at a dinner party or something. And, and uh, people were just really scared of being near me. Um, let alone touching anything that I touched. Uh, but Rock Hudson really put AIDS in a different category. Uh, when he was diagnosed or made the announcement in 1985, it suddenly raised the profile of AIDS and made people realize that it could happen to just about anybody. I mean, if it could happen to this big movie star, you know, then uh, it could happen to anybody. Right, because because in, in the Hollywood circles, rock was already out. Oh yeah, in Hollywood, and people in in the industry knew right. that he was gay, but the general public did not. So it was a it was a surprise to people that uh, you know not only did he have AIDS, but he was gay. Uh, right, and, big uh, Sunday movie star, and all of a sudden, what the hell? You know, what I mean, yeah, you know? I know, right? Yeah, so <laughs> you know, and but but here, here's here's the thing, and, and you know, and I was a huge fan of rock, so I mean, you know, and uh, so I'm 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 not laughing any anywhere at the part of it is, I mean, the stigmatism is what I'm the ridiculousness of it is what we're what we're 
wouldn't punt to, and in a way you kind of have to 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 uh, swallow it at, at the time. But I, I I know it wasn't a laughing matter with you, but at the same time, here you are, you know, you're you know you're a man of the cloth, so to speak, and right. and then you have this gigantic deal on your shoulders, not only right. just health wise. Because we, you know, again, we don't know what the hell we're treating to you're carrying this as a man of the cloth, which, oh, man, that's going to open up a whole big, you know, Pandora's box. And right. you also, how was your family with this, if you don't mind me asking? Well, uh, you know, they were very upset and, and my parents were scared for me and scared and, uh, you know, but they loved me and... Uh, and assured me that they would be behind me and support me in every way they possibly could. I love so I was very you... fortunate that way. I mean, there were any number of people with AIDS whose families just kind of rejected them and, and said, well, you gotta, you know, you're just going to have to be on your own for this one. We're not, we're not going with, with you on this trip. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what I was going to say, because I mean, it, it, people think it's hard with arguing about politics or something now, they don't understand that when when AIDS first started to rear its ugly head, it was something that, I mean, families kicked people out of their houses and, you know, and right. all kinds of things. And it was yeah. it was a really, really ugly time in a way that, uh, yeah. you know, that you just, man, it, it was it was not something cool. So, I mean, not that it is, but at the same time, to have some family that says, okay, look, of course you're going to be scared. And of course they're, you know, they're going to want the best for you. You know, I mean, you hope, and, and unfortunately you did have, you know, family like that and everything else. Yeah. Right. Now, now, and, and thank God for that part of us. Now, now switch over to the other side here that, you know, you're a pastor and how's that go being a man of the cloth? And all of a sudden, were you out in your community or did anybody? Oh yeah. Know? Well, the Metropolitan Community Churches, my denomination, uh, is a, was founded in 1968 as a safe place for LGBTQ people to worship God together. Um, and so uh, the, it was a largely gay uh, population in the church. And uh, uh, so uh, we were all out, you know, to each other. And I was out as many MCC clergy were, we were out in the media. And um, so I had done a lot of interviews uh, in the late 70s and the early 80s about being gay um, and being a man of the cloth. Uh, and, uh, and then when I started getting sick with AIDS, I started doing interviews. Well, I didn't really start doing interviews in the media about being a gay man with AIDS until 1984, um, when AIDS Project Los Angeles started putting me in, in front of the cameras um, and to do interviews about what it was like to have AIDS. And I thought it was really important to put a human face on it, because a lot of stigma happens because people don't know right. anybody who has it, you know, when, when once you see a real life human being who has it, then it changes things somehow. Yeah. Oh, oh ab absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, you know, I know so many people that sit there and say today, well, you know, do you know someone else COVID? Yeah. Uh, you name that, you know, is, but back then, you know, this is like the beginning. I want people to look at it as going back 35 or 40 years. And you look at the beginning of this and you're saying, man, no, you didn't know anyone. Like, think about the beginning of COVID, but in a different way. Right. You didn't know anybody who had it. You just saw it on the television. That's right. And That's right. so all of a sudden then it's like, well, man, now the your seventh cousin removed knows somebody who has it. And then that, that, that uh, ladder kept moving up to all of a sudden where people now to, you know, in, in several years later could say, yes, I know someone or I, my friend's buddy got somebody, you know, knows somebody. And it just kept me getting closer. I think that it was, and that's when, it, you know, but people had no idea in that time period that, you know, what was going on and uh, people didn't quite take it that way. I mean, how did the church take it with you as far as the fact of the other denominations of the church? You know, I'm sure you're already, I know you were already boring parts about being gay, so how, right. how did the other denominations of the church take it that now we have a gay gentleman with AIDS? Well, uh, you know, other denominations were not necessarily as friendly. 
Uh, but a lot of denominations started mounting a response to AIDS in like 1985, 86, right. a lot there. And one of the reasons I did the Tammy Faye Baker interview, <coughs> excuse me, I got something in my throat. Um, I did the interview because I thought it would be an opportunity to reach an audience of churchgoers that uh, I would never be able to reach otherwise. I mean, Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Baker were uh, had the largest, uh, most successful christian television network ever and um and it was huge they had a huge audience and so i sp when i spoke on the tammy faye baker interview when i did the interview there were you know t probably 20 million people who heard it right uh, when it first went out and that was an extraordinary opportunity for me to, to put a human face on aids for people who you know did not have unnecessarily a very good attitude about people with AIDS and yeah. especially gay men with AIDS. Yeah. You were already back, especially then. I mean, now you have some humps to go over and stuff, but especially then you, you were, you were just running in obstacles left and right. I mean, religion being yeah. gay, now having AIDS, you know, all mixing all those things in one big pot that right. especially back then did not make to a big, huge accepting pot. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You know, yes. I, how, how did you mentally, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this and how did you mentally, was it your faith or what that kind of got you through the criticism and the cynicism and the, and the just downright ugly behavior people can deliver? Well, I, you know, I, I, I believe what I believe and I believe that God loves me and, uh, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure of that. I just know that, that right. God loves me as a gay man, as a gay man with AIDS. And so, uh, not having any doubts about that, it made it easy for me to go on, um, Tammy Faye Baker's TV show and talk about it. Um, and, and I, you know, I did any number of other speaking engagements where I encountered people of religious backgrounds who were not so tolerant. Um, but uh, Tammy Faye Baker was surprisingly uh, supportive and loving, and and uh, you know she she angered a lot of people in the in the conservative televangelism. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm going to get to that, but and and, and yeah. here's the thing, you know, it, it, as far as the fact of you know you covering all those bases and stuff and carrying that, you know, and having the faith and people seem to forget sometimes I'm not going to get on my, my Bible thumping day, but people seem to forget that, you know, uh, Jesus kind of hung out with the ordinary folks that, you know, exactly. and, you know, drank and the tax guy and this and that guy and the sick guy and yeah. the person over there yeah. and the girl that was that. And he didn't, he didn't go hanging out with all the hoity toities. So I think exactly. people kind of forget that part, you know, <laughs> and, and, and God loves everybody. I think we, I think we kind of forget that part, but, I kind of leave my soapbox at that one, but <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, you're on that soapbox with Tammy Faye. I mean, she was right there with you, saying, you know, Jesus loved everybody, right. um, and uh, and and you know that it was so important for that that Christians embrace people with AIDS and not be afraid of putting their arms around them. Um, so that was a, that was a radical message at the time. And uh, she got in a lot of trouble for it, but she educated a lot of people about it. And, and people who don't know, you know, the, the PTL club and Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, they hear all the bad stuff about them. And we're going to get into a minute of how you met them and everything else. But they came from very humble surroundings and wound up taking a local TV cable show and taking it worldwide to being on everything, any, any pasture or any, uh, any type of man of the cloth that you see on TV now, the ones back in the day, there was half a dozen of them, and you know, you know, and, yeah. and they were they became the biggest, and and they did That's it great, and they did, regardless of what people know or think. I know factually, they helped a lot of people, and uh, they they uh, were practicing around the world and traveled around the world doing it. So they yes. were they were your first big TV ones that hit the biggest nature of like a comet. And unfortunately a comet burns out. And so did they, right, but I mean, right. uh, they, they were, they were the, you look at the staple of who was the TV tops as far as the fact of a, you know, 
evangelical police people and everything. Yeah, I say that three times quick. But um, you know, and being being of a faith and being on a television show and everything else, they were it. They were the top dog. I mean, they were right. however you want to put it, they were it. And yeah. uh, you know, so people look at them now, and you know, Jim has a show out now and everything else. There's no show today that even touches as big as, to, in my opinion, to how big the PTL Club was then with Jim and Tammy Faye. That's right. I mean, back in those days, you know, we didn't have 600 channels right. to choose from. We didn't have streaming services. We we just had, you know, the basic uh, <laughs> networks and and uh, PBS, NBC, ABC, CBS, and PTL. Right. Uh, Praise the Lord Network with Jim and Tammy Baker. Yeah. Now, now, so now, now, so, how did you meet them? Well, I I didn't meet them uh i uh, they reached out to find a person with aids somewhere in the united states who would go on their show um and talk to tammy and she wanted to be the first televangelist to interview a gay man with aids really and, that's that's astounding by itself i mean you know i bet you my collar just fell off the wall with that one because you know it's it's to just to sit there and find out that you know here she's digging to find someone like yourself Exactly. And so they, they went searching throughout the South and the East and found nobody willing to go on the show, no person with AIDS. And they, they called uh, AIDS Project Atlanta, or AID Atlanta, I think it was called. Uh, and a friend of mine was the executive director there, Ken South, and he directed them to me. Um, and so they called, and I had been quite accustomed to doing uh, interviews about having AIDS and so uh, I thought yeah sure why not so um, I agreed to go on the show and as long as they did it live I made that stipulation that it had to be live. <laughs> yeah that ending monster can be something man I, I know that myself <laughs> right you know you can I'm sure you do yeah you can, yeah. You can definitely uh, have having been on, on the other side of the mic for so many years I definitely understand how you can make some quotes and they can come out differently. So I think well done by you, my friend, on that one. Well done by you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. you know, and, and not being able to find, you know, looking, remember, this is pre-internet days, ladies and gentlemen. So you just right. didn't go online and type, you know, gay man, and I'm not being, you know, being a smart ass, but gay man uh, you know, with AIDS in speak on TV show. You didn't go Google that in your Google machine and all of a sudden have, you know, 300,000 people show up. They had to right. call our way. And, and this was a very tight community, right? So it, it was a very protective community. So when people started, you know, picking, poking around, it, it kind of ruffled feathers, didn't it? Mm-hmm. It sure did. Um, and, um, you know, there were people who told me uh, after I'd gotten the invitation to go on the show and I'd agreed to do it, there were people, my colleagues in the ministry and uh, and MCC and, and other churches said, oh, no, you shouldn't do it. You know, you'll ruin your reputation by going on Tammy Faye Baker and talking to Tammy Faye Baker. Because even then, she, you know, there were people on the, on the left who considered Tammy Faye Baker to be kind of a cartoon character, right. which was unfair to her. I mean, it was very unfair to her. Um, and uh, particularly at how she reacted to you know, my presence on her TV show. She, she was very loving and supportive, and, and that was radical for her time. And, boy, she did ruffle a few feathers. Let me ask uh, you a question. Let me ask you a question with that. Now, now you, you, get, you get the call. You know, you know, in your own community, they're like, hey, man, you need to take it easy for about three million different reasons that they can throw at you. You know, I mean, from, from her being a cartoon character to man, you could be, you know, you know, assassination of your job to whatever you want to do on it. Right. So, again, what, what gave you the just because you said, OK, man, look, I've been doing these speeches forever and this is the biggest platform I've had and I'm going to make the most of it. Was this a faith thing? You leaned on faith. Was this a, uh, you know, did you kind of go some search and some answers or did you just know you were going to do this? Oh, I just kind of knew I was going to do it. I mean, I, 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 you know, I didn't, I didn't hesitate. I just jumped at the opportunity because I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to educate people that I would never reach otherwise. Um, and, and I knew enough about Jim and Tammy to know that 
Tammy would probably be supportive and and her producer who was the one I dealt with prior to the interview her producer was very reassuring that uh, you know she would be respectful and uh, she wouldn't try to you know do a number on me in, in one way or another and she didn't I mean she was very loving and supportive and, and uh, asked all the right questions for her audience you know, some some of us in the gay community considered them to be, you know, the, I mean, I've had a number of people over the years say, oh, they were such silly questions, uh, but they weren't. They were exactly the right questions for her audience. And maybe at the right time, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. well, you know, not knowing, but, but and let me ask you a question. Did it did it occur in your mind one minute that she might swerve you in this and all of a sudden maybe go to bashing or put the boots to you or anything? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I knew there was that possibility, but I, I just didn't think it was going to go there. And it didn't. I mean, she, she was, uh, you know, so open to what I had to say. Um, and, and just in the three minutes prior to the interview, when I talked to her, uh, that little bit of a chat, I just knew it was going to be okay. Very cool. I like that. I like that a lot. That's because you, because you know, all of a sudden, because you know, sometimes all of a sudden you realize you've gone from the, you know, from the back of the pan into the middle of the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> so, so, you know, and with, 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 you know, with 25 a million or whatever it was, people that were watching in the day, a lot, we'll just say um, that, uh, you know, it, it very easily could have gone awry. And so I just wondered if you just were looking for that swerve or not, would no. you, were you, were you prepared to, uh, take battle per se. If if Tammy oh sure, you? I mean you know I went to a Presbyterian seminary back in the seventies, and and there were any number of conservative students in that seminary who I had uh, ample opportunity to uh, argue all the arguments that they might pose to me about you know well you really can't be gay and Christian can you and. and <laughs> Um, you know, so I, I had lots of experience at talking to conservative Christians about the gay issue, you know, and the AIDS issue uh, was fairly new. But, you know, Jesus is really clear about what, how you're supposed to treat people who are sick. Right. Yeah. There's not very little question to that. And and I like the fact, obviously, that kind of in a way you kind of have the happy ending that, that it was, how did it make you feel going through the interview, you know, and, and how was Jim towards you? Well, I never met Jim. I never talked to Jim. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, I, I loved Tammy. I thought that she was just great in the interview. And, and uh, you know, I had a very fond spot in my heart for her ever since. Um, and I've become friends with uh, their, uh, Jim and Tammy's two children. Uh, particularly Jay Baker, uh, their, their son. Uh, we've become very close over the last couple of years. I love and- hearing that. I mean, I, I look, I, I, I'll say it off the air, but I mean, I'll, I'll say it, I, I, I have witnessed their uh, generosity and caring in person uh, mm-hmm. to someone and uh, to someone that basically, bam, they, they, and they, people think that they drove all big Cadillacs and stuff. She used to have a Chevy, <laughs> she used to have a Chevy Chevette. And yeah. I, I know the construction worker she handed the keys to that car to that that uh, said because he couldn't get his daughter back and forth to work and said, do the yeah. paperwork. And I watched the guy, his boss say, you can't do that. And she said, I'll tell him the paperwork's done and to be delivered later today by courier. And wow. it, was, it was done. And so, you know, they might think a lot of things of them. But I mean, that, that was just because she overheard a comment and there was no press. There was no yeah. one there to to take bows and take pictures or anything else. And there was no saying no to that young lady. <laughs> wow. How moving. Thank you. Know, you. So I, I love the fact that, you know, that, uh, you know, you hearing this side of things, you know, from your, from what your experience was. And, and, and it took a lot of brass, man. I'll tell you, it took a lot of brass <laughs> and a lot of guts and a lot of gall to go on in front of it because, you know, that 20 million or 25 million people, whatever it was that was watching at the time, a lot of people, you know, your biggest platform, so to speak, that was yeah. also going to be getting, you know, whispered down the lane of what was going to go on that you were going to take the good, the bad and the ugly of all of it 
that you were on the show and everything else. So, I mean, did you get a big fallout, a fall back and fire off and get burned and stung after you came off the show? No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't hear from anybody for, uh, for, you know, like a year and a half or so. Wow. And then, then when, um, the scandal broke and they, and Jerry Falwell started to bring them down, uh, and to take over their, their, the PTL and Heritage Village amusement park and all of that. Um, it, it was then that, uh, you know, my, the, the, the leader, the founder of our denomination, the MCC denomination, played the Tammy Faye, Steve Peters interview, which is can be seen still today on YouTube, but right. uh, they're YouTube back then. So they played the, <laughs> they, they played the interview, the video cassette of the interview, uh, before a thousand delegates. And, uh, suddenly I was on the map and, um, uh, and I started getting speaking engagements all over the world and, and everywhere I went, they wanted me to bring the, the videotape of me and Tammy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so, um, yeah, so I, I, in the, the word about it spread over the years and, you know, a lot of people were very uh, thrilled with it because of how positive and loving and supportive she was. Um, and uh, and that's what moved Jessica Chastain to make the movie. She, she said in many interviews, and she's told me herself, that uh, she decided to do the movie, she, that, that to buy the rights to the movie, um, to do the movie, uh, when she saw Tammy's interview with me. Wow. Yeah. And, and Jessica has been so kind to me all through this. And, and uh, you know, uh, I finally met her at the New York City premiere. Uh, and uh, she was just so kind and gracious, and, you know, reiterated to me that uh, it was my interview with Tammy Faye that made her want to do the movie. And indeed, that every morning, she was in makeup. Uh, she would play the interview in, uh, to uh, get into character. So she she listened to that interview or watched it like every day for months as they filmed the film. As uh, it helped her get into character. Let me tell you something. That is the having met Tammy Faye Baker numerous times. That was uh -huh. one of the scariest things to watch in a cool way was watching Jessica play Tammy Faye Baker because of the fact yeah. that it was like she was standing in front of you. I know. I know. She was extraordinary. I mean, Jessica. amazing, amazing. The, the whole, the whole uh, uh, cast in this is unbelievable. Andrew Garfield, I mean, that that is crazy. I mean, you know, oh, you I take know. from Spider-Man to Jim Baker... <laughs> And, uh, I mean, and I loved him as Spider-Man, so I don't take nothing back from that. Um, yeah. but, uh, in, you know, he was, he was my grow up Spider-Man. I'll say the amazing Spider-Man, he, he, yeah. he put it to a T, but to see him, you know, as the Jim Baker part and all of these, I mean, the cast was phenomenal to do this. I mean, it, it is really yeah. like you're going back, watching some of the old episodes, I mean, and stuff, it really is really cool. And, and, uh, and people, I don't think, you know, yeah, the people gave a very animated look at Tammy Faye and the makeup and whole deal of it is. But, but I'll tell you what, though, she she was she was. I think they were both very good-hearted people. Things got, so. things got carried away, and uh, but you know, and they they fought hard for that Heritage USA place, and they helped yeah. a lot of people that got booted out on their butts. When it yeah. came down, those sick people got booted out on their butts. Is what I heard. Yeah, I know. And Jerry Falwell was, uh, I don't know, they, he's kind of the villain of the movie. You know, he, he's the one who, who uh, manipulates them out of their uh, position as the head of PTL. And, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I'm Vincent D'Onofrio was wonderful as Jerry Falwell. Oh, abs ab without a doubt. And there's a funny joke I made. To my children's mother, in a bad way, when that happened, I sit there, turn around, and said, "Man, the worst thing in the world could happen when this was going down live on TV was that somebody else comes in, and his thing was, and I'll never forget it, Jerry Falwell, and that's not from the movie. I remembered it. He was like, "My brother, I will take care of you, and I will take care of you, and 
pull you into my bosom. And I was like, dude, that's putting a fox in charge of the hen house. That's and, right. And uh, I said, there's no way in the world. He, wa- he wants that pie for himself. And, that's right, and uh, that—that's my opinion, and that's where that's where it went back then, and that was just at home in the living room, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and it couldn't have been far farther from right, you know. <laughs> but uh, in my opinion, but uh, I'll throw my opinion in there because somebody get pissy, but I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> but I, I have to say, you you coming through this now, and congratulations on. First of all, uh, I have to ask ask you is that how was it, man? I mean, because you you were battling age, you know, and everything else. Then how mm-hmm. how was it that you know it came about that? Thank God you're with us here today. Well, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure I have a good answer for it. Uh, oh, come I on, brother! <laughs> I got lucky, and and God, you know, touched me, and and. Uh, you know, I was diagnosed with not only with AIDS, but with stage four lymphoma and Kaposi's sarcoma in 1984. And I was given eight months to live. Uh, I was told I wouldn't live to see 1985. And um, uh, but I got uh, I, I took very good care of myself and I believed in, in the healing power of God. And, and I and I and I trusted in that and I did everything I could to create the conditions for God's healing touch to work in me. And uh, when I did live to see 1985, uh, my doctor invited me to be the first patient to go on the first antiviral they tried against HIV. And that was a drug called Suramin. And it's now a notorious, uh, drug trial because it killed a number of people but while i was on it i was i was the first patient to go on it my lymphoma went into complete remission the ks lesion completely disappeared um and uh and uh you know the drug very nearly killed me too but uh, it didn't and i got well um, and I stayed well for many, many years, and I had a recurrence of illness in 2012, but I got through that, too, and I'm here to tell the tale. So, Man, I, um, do you, if you don't mind me asking, do you have to take, um, like, you know, is there like a backup serum or something you have to take regularly, or? Oh, yeah. Oh, I take, I take an, um, a, a combination drug that is, uh, you know, what they used to call the cocktail treatment, a, right. a protease inhibitor and highly active antiretroviral therapy drug. And um, and that drug keeps uh, HIV dormant in me. Um, it's undetectable. Uh, and, uh, and so my immune system is pretty good today. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. Right. And Have you I'm been del- careful? I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead my friend. No, I'm delighted to be getting older. I didn't think I would live to see 33, so, you know, 69 feels really good. <laughs> <laughs> right on, brother. Amen to that. Um, yeah. Now, now, did did it, uh, you know, it being dormant and everything else for, for people out there uh, that don't know, um, how does that affect your, your your love life, so to speak? Is that a good thing for your love life? Well, it- yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a whole... Um, message to be put out there that undetectable is untransmittable so that's that's uh, the truth that that's real that's like science that that's real that's not science fiction that's fact no that's fact okay. so if you if if you're on the the antiretroviral protease inhibitor drugs uh, and your virus is undetectable then you cannot transmit it of course, um, we suggest you all talk to your doctors and everything else in the process. But oh, yeah. Com- oh, absolutely. Com- talk to your doctor. This is from a gentleman who's going through it himself and and, and, yeah. and, and with the knowledge of it. So I appreciate you sharing that And because uh, yeah. I did not know how that works. So I'm glad. I really appreciate you sharing. I know we didn't talk about me asking you that. So I'll thank you for entertaining me on this because I did not know yeah. how that worked. I think it's still important that, that gay men wear condoms when they when – they, uh, have sex uh, because there are other diseases that you can catch. Right, right. Well, and, yeah, that's, uh, being, being careful is being smart. Exactly, exactly. Right, but right. Uh, you know, when you're when you're undetectable, you don't have to worry about transmitting it. Right, and, and now now you you met one of my very favorite people who I loved being around at any time. You, you met Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. 
I mean, she, not only was she wonderful, beautiful, rec- most recognizable woman in the world, women in the world, great right. actress, beautiful person. But you tell me what you thought of her. <laughs> well, Elizabeth was wonderful. I mean, in her activism uh, to fight AIDS and to bring AIDS awareness to the world, uh, and uh, she she was an incredible AIDS activist, and and the passion she had for the cause was was born of her love for Rock Hudson, her dear friend, uh, but uh, extended to all of us who had AIDS. And, and she was, you know, I, I just loved how down-to-earth and brassy and real she could be. At the same time, there was no mistaking the fact that she was a real movie star. Oh, yes. Maybe one of the last, the last of the great old movie stars, you know? Right, for sure. So, yeah, there, there was not too many people that could walk in a room and take the presidents like Elizabeth Taylor. No, I know. I mean, when she was in the room, you it was hard to look at anybody else. It was right. hard to pay attention to anybody else. I, I, I heard I heard joking from the late, great Burt Reynolds, who I knew very, very well, that he sit there, turned around and said, when she walked in a room, you know, the room stopped and, and moved in her direction. That's right. That's good. I like uh, that. And, uh, you know, and you're talking about one of the biggest superstars that's ever been in the box office. And he he that's said, it. you know, I'm a movie star of today. That's a movie star, period. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. And, and that's, you know, those kind of things are just, uh, I think it is. But tell me a couple of the celebrities, some other celebrities who you met who were so beneficial in helping, you know, HIV and AIDS get out there and get known and, and and worked with you and, 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 and things that helped out the entire cause. Oh, golly. There were so many of them. I mean, Shirley MacLaine, for one. Love she, you. at that very first uh, entertainment industry event that Elizabeth Taylor uh, chaired um, in 1985, uh, Shirley MacLaine was the MC of the event, and she introduced me when I spoke at that event. And she was wonderful. She was just delightful. And she, you know, she was very helpful and very supportive of people with AIDS. And um, uh, Lucille Ball, uh, you know, I was so delighted to meet her at a, an AIDS benefit uh, that she came to in uh, 1989, just a couple months before she died. And her presence, I mean, just being there was... Uh, an enormous help. Another uh, real star. Another real star, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I was so glad I got to tell her, you know, thank her for helping me laugh my way through AIDS because I, I kept watching I Love Lucy every day for, you know, all through that period. <laughs> okay, so, all right, Steve, I'm going to stop you right there. What's your favorite episode, brother? You can't go by I Love Lucy without, without Sharon. Come on, bro. <laughs> well, it's between the Brown Derby episode and the Invited me to Benjamin. <laughs> Brown, Brown Derby is great. I love that. Invited me to Benjamin is fantastic. I'm going to throw one in there that goes with it when she plays Mirror Mirror with Harpo Marx. Oh, right. That's a great one, isn't it? Yeah. That, that is just absolutely. I, 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 will, I don't classic. care what's on TV. I will stop right there. And, and until that goes, until <laughs> that plays out, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. We're not leaving. I love it. I love it. I say we have a little bit of fun in the show, and that's kind of one of those things that it is. And I, and I appreciate you taking the time on this. I'm going to throw a couple fun questions out there just because we do to every guest on the show. So entertain us for a minute, please, because. Uh, you know, that, that's what it's about for us to have fun. Sure. So uh, I'm going to ask you the first one, because I, I don't know if you do or don't. So uh, you know, do you drink? Not anymore. So when you drank, would it have been scotch or bourbon? Scotch. A man after my own heart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> A man after my own liver. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, that too, brother, yeah. Uh, that too, definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll, go with a, we'll go with a light one too, Coke or Pepsi. Oh, Coke. Man, this guy's 2-0 right now, 2-0. Um, are you a Halloween guy? Halloween? Yeah. Not particularly. Okay. You know, it's just surprising for a gay man. I mean, it's the, like the gay <laughs> national holiday. Um, and, uh, and, and I've just never really been into it. Okay, all right, cool. Um, so, obviously, Christmas? 
Oh, I love Christmas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just you just got your gay credibility back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm no. funning. I'm funning all my friends out there. Be, be easy. He, uh, I hope you, you you took that lightly, right? You know, I did. I you, did. It's fine. You know, yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, hey, look, you you gotta you know you, you kind of fed right into that part of it because no, it's it's fun because the fact you know what the expression of of Halloween. I'm a huge Halloween guy. And, and, you know, and I, and my, I've inserted into my children and everything else. So that's why, you know, you pick one and most times you pick Halloween or Christmas. Now my kids, most of them lean to Christmas now. So you uh -huh. know, I, don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, but I love both of them. But anyway, so that, that's fun and that's cool. But I mean, is there a, a, a favorite Christmas movie that you dig? Oh, golly. Yeah, White Christmas or Scrooge. I love Scrooge. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Love that. Now, um, country or rock music? Oh, rock. You got, got a favorite or two? Um, I love Queen. You know, I think Queen is wonderful. Um, and Freddie Mercury and all of that. And I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, man. You just went to two great... Because, I mean, the, the, the soul part is what Freddie Mercury was attracted to growing up. You know, from Elvis to... Motown to everything, so you kind of like you just blended both worlds in there, my friend. Exactly. <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. I, I I love that. Okay, so uh, the mountains or the beach? Oh, the mountains. Really? Very oh cool. yeah. Very cool. I have uh, my family has a place in New Hampshire up on a mountain, and um, and I love going there every summer and and the roads before COVID at least. Right. I dig what you mean. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, and it's just one of the most beautiful places in the world. And, you know, I, wherever I, where, whenever I have gone to the mountains, I have felt a peace and uh, a peace that passes all understanding and just a, an, an awesome awareness of God's good creation. And I know that a lot of people get that from the beach but I get it from the mountains. I always have. Yeah, I can I can relax in both, and I love both. So mine's yeah. kind of a mood thing, you know. Mine's yeah. kind of a mood thing on it. So I can I can dig that. But the mountains are incredible, and New Hampshire's yeah. gorgeous. So man, I can dig that. Um, oh, particularly this time of year. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. With the leaves and everything, it, it's beautiful. I love that. So I'm gonna say horror or comedy in movies. Comedy. Got a favorite? Oh golly, a favorite comedy movie. Uh, I can't think of one offhand, but oh, Good Morning Vietnam. I love Good Morning Vietnam. Robin Williams. And this is Doubtfire. I mean, the Robin Williams movies, yeah. And Birdcage. I love Birdcage. And Birdcage. Uh, very cool. Very cool. It's great movies. Damn, you know, you swing for yeah. the fences when you name out movies there. Um, that's very cool. If you could, if you could go anywhere with your friends or family. Take dozen of your closest people and take them there for a month. Where would it be? Switzerland. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Another gorgeous place to go. It uh, sure is. We have we have people in Switzerland listening, so please, please, well, big shout out to our, our listeners in Switzerland. Um, I love Switzerland. Yeah. Beautiful place. Have you been? Oh yeah, a number of times. Nice. I love the mountains, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You go right to the Alps, man. You ain't messing around. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know. Can't get much better than the Swiss Alps. Oh, without a doubt. Now, let me ask you a question. If there's something that you could have taken, if you could have done over in your Tammy Faye interview. Oh, wow. What would That's it be? Something I would have done over. Right. Um. Well... You know, I kind of wish that I had been able to talk more about the near-death experience I had a couple of weeks before I did the Tammy Faye interview, because that, to me, was one of the most significant events of my uh, five, six, seven years of being so sick with AIDS, was uh, when I had that near-death experience. And and I started to talk about it, but she kind of steered me in a different direction. And, and she interrupted me to ask about Rock Hudson, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, that was right in her era of game of movie star. So in, in her age right. and everything else. So I mean, Rock Hudson was always a movie star. Even when he was TV, he was still a movie star. But I, I can yeah. dig it that she wanted to find out about Rock Hudson because, come on, man. I mean, you're, you're oh, I know you're you're a woman. You're a woman in her. I guess. Let me think. Tammy was probably what in her early late thirties, early forties then. Yeah, probably, yeah. And, I think. and uh, so Rock Hudson was right on her radar. So you know, uh, you know, you you couldn't have not, you know, as an actor, as a good looking cat, yeah. you know. I mean, you know, he he was one of those first guys of you know the guys wanted to be him and the girls wanted to be with him. So you yeah. know. <laughs> well, he had died just a couple of months before the interview that I did with Tammy, so it, he was on everybody's mind, right. Uh, at the time, but I mean, I you know, you can see when you watch the interview on YouTube, you can see her uh, kind of getting all, you know, excited about Rock Hudson. <laughs> she talks about him. He was such a big, strong man, she said. <laughs> you can kind of see where her head was going with that. Right, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, and again, when you talk about movie star, Rock Hudson, movie star. You know, yeah. Movie star, you know. Um but so, and, and I point that out to people that sit there and think, well, you know, we got nothing against Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt or anybody else today, but those guys will tell you Rock Hudson, movie star, Elizabeth Taylor, yeah. movie star, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, that's what, you know, that's what it is. And like I said, it's not anything knocked to today, but I want, I want people who don't know who Rock Hudson or Elizabeth Taylor is to know how big of a star, you know, that, that they, they were and how much Absolutely. of a legend they are. Yeah. Um, so I like that. I, so can you, you know, in a little bit, a little bit of a tight up spot, could you share a little bit of this, um, experience you had, if you don't mind, or. Well, I'm sorry. Could you ask that again? I didn't really get it. No, no worries. No worries. I said, could you share a little bit of that, uh, ex near death experience that you. Oh, the near death experience. Yes, yes, of course. Well, um, it was during the sermon trials and, uh, and. I had been wasting away, and they couldn't figure out why. I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker, thinner and thinner and thinner. I was sleeping like 20, 22 hours a day. Uh, and uh, so they finally figured out that my adrenal glands had failed. So they brought me into the emergency room. And um, in the emergency triage, uh, they were trying to get some blood from me. and. Uh, and my blood stopped flowing. Uh, my blood pressure was 50 over 30 and dropping. Mm. And the blood stopped flowing. And they said to me, or one of the doctors said to me, pump your hand, Stephen, pump your hand. And I suddenly was aware of leaving my body and looking down on the scene and thinking, why isn't he doing what they're telling him to do? And then I just didn't care anymore char because i was at peace i felt surrounded by love i was so uh, filled with understanding and like i understood everything i'd never understood about myself and about the world and oh my god the peace was just extraordinary and the loving beings around me were pointing me towards this great light. And, and it was just, you know, and then I was back in my body and I was pissed. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, you know, but, but that, that I came away from that knowing that what's really important, what is eternal is the love that we experience in our lives, the love that we experience from others and the love that we give to others. Uh, and what really matters is looking in each other's eyes and really seeing each other uh, and, and connecting with the heart and soul. Uh, and that's what's really important. Because in the end, it doesn't matter how many toys you have, you know, in the end, what matters is the love. The I agree, love that I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, somebody else could be playing with your toys. You, you're already going to be done with that. You know, you might as well get yeah. used to sharing now. So, yeah. I mean, you know, but I agree that the love part of it is, and I think, and, and I think that's a wonderful, um, captivating way to address what you've been through. And and when you 
do you talk to people now when all of a sudden, because it still happens when somebody says all of a sudden, man, you know what, they discover that they have HIV or they discover AIDS. Are you still one of those guys that can still walk over and say, hey, man, look, I'm like part of that hope? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I, I still, uh, you know, I have speaking engagements and I preach occasionally and, and um, you know, I, but more than that, um, you know, people know to turn to me um, when they're diagnosed with HIV. Um, they, you know, any number of people have come to me and said, how do I maintain hope now that I have HIV? And uh, Fortunately, today, things are much different for people with AIDS than they were back in the 80s and 90s. Right. You know, it's not a death sense. It doesn't have to be a death sense. Um, and, and you take care of yourself and you take the medications as prescribed and, and uh, you, know, you, you uh, do the best you can to maintain your spiritual life and... and uh, you know, believe that God loves you just the way you are. And uh, that can get you through almost anything, including AIDS. I love that. Is that the message you brought? Did you, you went to the White House. I'm going to wind this down. You went to the White yeah. House. Uh, so you met President Reagan? No, no, no. Reagan didn't deal with AIDS hardly at all. I was going to say, he, he didn't kind of know what to do. And I was a big... Big President Ronnie fan, but I think that he just didn't know what to do in the process of it then. But no, who, who did you no. meet? Who did you meet in the process of being in the White House? I went to the White House to meet with President Clinton, Bill ah. Clinton, and it was 1993 before any of his scandals happened, and and um, uh, it was the first World AIDS Day in when since he took office, and uh, so it was. You know, uh, it was actually the day before World AIDS Day, November 30th, 1993. And I was one of 12 invited guests at a prayer breakfast around AIDS, the issue of AIDS. And because I was the person with AIDS uh, among them, they seated me next to Bill Clinton for the breakfast. Nice. So over breakfast, I just got to chat with the President of the United States about the issue closest to my heart, which was AIDS. And, and, you know, he wanted to know, he, you know, even then I was considered to be a miracle of survival because right. I, I had gotten well and nobody got well back in those days. Right. Um, and uh, so he wanted to know about that. He wanted to know about, you know, he asked me about safe sex and, and, uh, uh, and what the latest on that was. And he, you know, he was he was uh, really interested, and I could tell that he listened really well. And he gave me a big hug after the breakfast was over, and uh, uh, and other people who were there, the other invited guests, so many of them said that was the most important moment of the entire breakfast uh, and the meeting afterwards because the president of the United States embraced the person with AIDS who was there. And, uh, where were all the cameras for that? that man? What? Where were all the cameras for that? I know. I, you know, it was Jeez. interesting because the, the official white house photographer was taking all kinds of pictures all through the breakfast, but he didn't take any pictures of that. Apparently, man, that is, see, and I'm so glad of that. You know, president Clinton, has done a lot of great things, you know, uh, bringing things forward in a lot of ways. You know, I ain't going to get all the negative stuff because, you know, everybody got skeletons in their closet. Don't forget that. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, to do that and to sit there and say, kind of give you a, a rub, so to speak, of, you know, hey, man, look, you know, you have, you know, however many people are at one of these big shindigs at the White House and, and you know, and the president of the United States, most powerful man on the free world's giving you a hug and saying, hey, man, you know, I mean, and, you know, and just I would love to see the look on your face when he asked you about, you know, condoms and sex. I'd have felt <laughs> right there. You know, I mean, come, come on. It right. had to be kind of funny for a second for, you know, him. well, let me tell you about, let me ask you about this, you know. <laughs> how, how, did it, how did it feel the president of the United States asking you about condoms? <laughs> well, it was it was a little strange, but, um, you know, I, I – <laughs> Certainly had that discussion with a lot of people, so I was happy to go there with him. Better than him not to ask it, right? 
Yeah, right. Right. That means he gave a damn at least enough to say, hey, man, I want, you know, I love the idea that President, you know, Clinton had the idea to, in a foresight to say, okay, look, even, you know, that, you know, to whether he was playing nice for others, which we know is not the case, you know, he was, he was, he was legitimately, you know, wanted to know because that's how he is, first of all. And second of all, you know, so he wasn't just playing nice just to be nice. He legitimately is asking questions that nobody would have asked if you were just being nice. You that's know, right. I mean, and so that's really cool. I think that he kind of took the time to ask you and you said you made the point. I was going to ask you if he was listening, but you covered that. You knew he was listening by what he asked you. And I think yeah. that's important. You know, I mean, co- cover all those things. And we didn't know those things. And he didn't act like he knew them. Right. Well, you know, and it was interesting. The next day on World AIDS Day, he, he made a speech. Uh, he gave a speech that was on C-SPAN. Um, and, um, remember C-SPAN? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he gave a speech on C-SPAN about, about AIDS and he talked about me and having met me and discussed, uh, all this with me. And, and I thought, you know, wow, I wish that, that Reagan had done that in the eighties, but thank God that Clinton was doing it now in, in the, in the nineties when it was still, you know, killing people right and left. HIV. Right. I, I, I think it's the same thing that people look at now, not only as an important part, is that nobody wanted to put the, the finger on saying, you know, okay, hey, look, we'll, we'll make pot 100% legal. Back then, I don't think President Reagan wanted to be the one to sit there and say, well, because he didn't know enough about it to say, okay, look, we're going to go full guns on this. It was still such a scary thing. I'm not making any excuses. I, my opinion is I think he just didn't know how to handle it. And it was, and he had a whole lot of other things going on in the world. So he figured somebody would fix it and, you know, and yeah, and, I, and that's just my, my idea of what, how I thought they were looking at it, but I'm glad that president Clinton, you know, a few years later comes in there and, you know, and all of a sudden is trying to embrace and, and the idea that you were still there, um, as you said, as a survivor, I mean, because look, if you look at people like Rock Hudson and Freddie Mercury who didn't make it, um, right. you sit there and go, gosh, you know, how does this guy make it? You know, I mean, and so you, and I, you know how well, I mean that. The hope of people is like, wow, these people got tons of money and everything else. How does this guy get blessed enough to be here and these other guys right. don't? Well, and I've asked that question myself many, many times. I, you know, I, I've, I often say in interviews and in talks I give, uh, that, um, you know, the, the, I, I took very good care of myself and I believed that I could, I believed that I could beat AIDS, I, that I could get well. But I know a lot of people who did more than I did to take much better care of themselves than I did, uh, and who had greater faith and who had much more to give than I did. Who didn't make it so why did I make it I don't know maybe it was because God needed a vehicle of hope and I was a you know a highly visible clergyman um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you right now forgive me but it's, yeah. it's 11 a.m. Um, West Coast time it's uh, uh, one o'clock central time and literally as you started that speech and I'm telling anybody you can go to ABC and it just changed over it was two huge rainbows gone over the television. Oh, I was watching. I swear to God, and then General Hospital just came back on. So oh. just as you started that speech, I think that was the most fitting thing to say, and my friend, that it was right there as I was watching it. Anybody can go back and watch it and see that it was just you know that it was right there, and I think that's totally awesome. That, Wonderful. Uh, that uh, you know, right during it, you know, and I'll actually share. I'll send the picture over to you. That was so it's time stamped, so you'll know that I'm not joking. But I mean, yeah. it is, I think, one of the coolest things that I've just ever seen that uh, that would just literally just showed on, on, on the TV is, is that it is. And it's uh, from uh, Good Day, uh, you know, whatever it is, ABC. But that's what, exactly as you're speaking right now. It just popped up. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. You know, so I, I think kind of uh, the, the, the area that it is, you know, is kind of happens. One of those things that, you know, it's on the TV show, What You Need to Know. And right. it just literally, literally just popped right up there at the end of the other show as you're talking. But um, I, I want to take one more thing real quick, and I appreciate we've sure. run over time, but I really appreciate you sharing so much with this. Give me a couple, if you will, a couple of the myths 
still today around age that people can sit there and go, oh my gosh, you know, the stigmas that are there that are just totally BS? Well, I think one of the, one of the, uh, the myths is that it, it uh, uh, you know, only affects gay men. Um, or IV drug users or prostitutes, um, it affects everybody. Anybody can get infected with HIV. In Africa, it's a primarily heterosexual disease. And, and people still think that, oh, well, I'm not gay, so I don't have to worry about it. No, <laughs> you have to worry about it. You have to take precautions and, and be aware. Um, and, uh, and I think another myth that still exists is that AIDS kills quickly and, uh, and is a, a long, agonizing death. And with the advances they've made in medicine and in treatments, you know, it doesn't have to be an automatic imminent death sentence as it used to be. Um, so that's, that's really important for people to know. And, and at the same time, that means if you find out you don't sit around, you jump on top of it right away. Correct, Steve? Right. Oh, yeah. You got to take care of it and and take the medications and and uh, and see the doctor on a regular basis and monitor your immune system and your your blood counts and all of that. But, uh, uh, you know, there is no reason to believe that if you are diagnosed with HIV that you're going to die soon. Um you know, it doesn't have to be like that. I love that. Thank you for that message. I'm going to ask you one last thing. Sure. If you, if you could take anything from right now being on, you know, being the eyes of, you know, in the eyes of Tammy Faye, um, what would you take back from it? I mean, what would you look at it now and say, wow, all these years later, this is made into a movie. I um, mean, you know, the, the people who created the movie uh, say you impacted them hugely on it. And then it's out there today. I mean, you know, did you ever think that in 1985 that, you know, here you would, you know, we're talking about this, you know, 30 plus years later, you know, and, and here you are on the big screen and part of this movie. But I mean, you know, something that kind of you inspired and, and, and out there delivered a message. What do you have to say about that now, man? Well, uh, you know, back in 1985, I had no idea. I mean, first of all, I didn't think I'd be alive in 2021. I didn't think I'd be alive in 2000, let alone 2021. Right. Um, and uh, But second of all, to think that that interview uh, still has an impact, you know, 36 years later is just amazing. I remember the day I did the interview, I came home from the interview and I talked to my neighbor, Lucia, and, and, and uh, I said, oh, I think it went terribly. I, I should have said this and I shouldn't have said that. And I wish I'd put that differently. And oh my God, I'm so glad I told Lucia. I'm so glad no one I know will ever see this. <laughs> Is, yeah, and and here we are now. Millions of people have watched this over the years, and I now know. it's out there in an entirely new audience. But I mean, I, I you know, congratulations on the fact of having the guts and faith and everything else to come out. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, and, and talk about this all the way back then and everything that you've done. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm sure, and you don't have to be you know gay to or have AIDS to appreciate. Uh, the the work and message in, that you've put into this, as well as your life, and you know, and you, you put a message of sharing, you know, you know, God, you send a message of, you know, sharing what it's like to be, you know, a gay man. You put in there about the fact of, you know, having AIDS and putting all those three in that big jimongous pot. You know, I mean, I I have a lot of respect for you, my friend, for having Whoa. to go through all those battles and then going on. 20, 25 million people, and, uh, and and man, you know, you were not the most popular guy in the world in, in a lot of circumstances coming out doing right. that. Right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Those are very kind words, and I really appreciate it. You thank know, you. Where can everybody find you on social media? Well, um, on Facebook, I'm. Uh, uh, you can find me as Rev Steve Peters. I'm still dancing. That's the title of my my public page. Rep Steve Peters, I'm still dancing. Do we get a book out of that somewhere? Is that a book coming in that? Uh, well, I I have finished my uh, not finished, but I'm I'm 
almost finished with my memoir. Uh, and uh, there should be a book coming soon, uh, I hope, uh, called I Keep On Dancing. Uh, and I, ha I published a book in 1991, I think it was, called I'm Still Dancing. And that's available at loosegravelproductions.com. Nice. Uh, and um, so you can you can get and that's a that's a a compilation of my writings and my sermons from from uh, the eighties from when I was so actively sick and an activist an HIV activist. So um, yeah, so go to loosegravelproductions.com and order my book. I'm still dancing, and then wait for it. But soon there will be a new book called I Keep On Dancing. My journey through AIDS. Here, and I, here, I always thought that was Jimmy Hart and the Gentries. No, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, no, I love that. And I look forward to that. And you come back on, and you'll talk about the new book, right? I will, of course. Yes, thank you. And where can everybody, if they want to contact you, to have you come speak or preach? At I am. Uh, I am represented by uh, George Greenfield at CreativeWell.com. CreativeWell. Com. And uh, that's where you can uh, you can book me for a speaking engagement. I appreciate that. I thank you so much, man. It's been such a real pleasure having you on. You know, we're in 59 countries now uh, with active listeners. Oh. What would you like to say to everybody out there who's maybe seen your story or just seeing it for the first time? Well, I, I'd, I'd like to say God loves you just the way you are. Uh, Jesus loves you just the way you are. If you believe in Jesus, Jesus is there with you. Jesus is alive in the world today. Uh, and, uh, and so just be assured that God loves you just the way you are. God doesn't make junk, you know. God created you and God loves you. You know, from, from your lips to God's ears and our listeners in the world as well. Ladies and gentlemen, go check it out everywhere. But Reverend Steve Peters, it's been such a pleasure having you on today. Man, I'm I, I, I just so happy. And I, I'll tell everybody, go check out The Eyes of Tammy Faye. It's a phenomenal movie, by the way. Um, yes. You know, it's, it's one of the best movies of the year as far as I'm concerned. And uh, with fantastic performances. And uh, you'll just absolutely understand a big part of this, and we had the man that inspired a big part of this movie on Mr. Steve Peters. Thank you so much, Reverend. I really You're appreciate welcome. you taking the time. You can see time. the original interview on YouTube. Without a doubt, you guys go check it out as well. We'll put some links in there as well, but the Lifebox Media Channel, and we are out.